edition of the KSR Football Podcast, a celebration of Kentucky football's 27-17 win over Mississippi State on Saturday. I am Drew Franklin, filling in for Nick Roush in the host seat this week as Nick and his wife welcome baby number two to the Roush family. Baby Frank was born early Monday morning and Nick is away enjoying quality time with Frank and the family. So Freddie Maggard and Adam Luckett, Let's go ahead and begin with the congratulations to the Roush family from the uh, KSR Football Podcast. Anybody Congrats, got special words to welcome Frank into the world? Congrats. I can't wait to take my uh, nephew Frank to uh, Long John Silver's <laughs> when he grows teeth. We got uh, we to talk about some Long John Silver's today. But first, a special shout out to the show's sponsor, Justice Dental. Visit either of Justice Dental's two Lexington locations on Blazer Parkway or Wellington Way by scheduling an appointment online at justicedental.com or by calling 859-543-0700. You can even send a text message to their friendly team members at the same number to ask a question and to make your appointment. Now's a good time to go ahead and get those teeth cleaned with Dr. Thompson and Dr. Justice and their team as they strive to provide you with good oral health in a comfortable environment. That's Justice Dental, and they look forward to seeing you soon. Adam Luckett, earlier today you said this episode will be called the Brad White Appreciation Episode for how Kentucky's defense shut down Mississippi State, holding them to well below their season averages and only 10 points. Just how special was that performance from the defense Saturday? Yeah, I think it's a culmination, really. I mean, three SEC games, Florida, Ole Miss, Mississippi State, they played some legitimate big boy offenses in a shut them down in three different types of approach that they've seen. Um, and then I think like the culmination was in a spot where they had to play well, a team that kind of gave it to them last year. They just came out and were ready for everything Mississippi State threw at them. Um, and Brad White, I think, had his, had his group ready um, to play. <clears throat> they tackled in space, which you have to do against Mike Leach's offense. And then I think third down-wise, he – he dialed up some pressure and got and got pressure home, and that, that made Will Rogers' job a lot harder. So I think just overall, it was just a great performance when the team had to have it. Um, it was good to see the offense get rolling in the second half, but once again, the defense had another great performance, and they're playing like they're playing team defense as good as you can play it. All three levels, everybody doing their job. There's no <clears> real superstars on this group. Um, but everybody just kind of every all eleven are on the same page. It seems like, and it's leading to what we're seeing on Saturdays in conference play. They are, they are doing an out, outstanding job outside of that second half of South Carolina. You throw that out the window, and it's as good as any defense in college football right now, or in the ballpark, it'd be as good as any defense in college football right now. They're doing so well. Thirteen down, thirteen first downs to a very efficient Mississippi State offense. I think the big thing from a year ago where Will Rogers picked them apart was the, the one-on-ones and the tackling once they did get those dink and dunk passes. Uh, it helped having Jordan right back, who was uh, not a part of that game last year when Mississippi State won in Starkville. Freddie, what did you think of the, the defense's effort in that game, bouncing back after they got called out all week long after playing so poorly against South Carolina? Yeah, I thought it was great, and I agree with Adam. This is the Brad White Appreciation Podcast. Uh, Drew, you'll remember on the show years back, I called Brad White a genius and some callers. Every time an opponent got a first down, I would they would make fun of me for saying that, right? So uh, I get it. But, you know, Brad White, I, I, you know, I know him as a coach. I know him as a, as a person. 
I mean, he's just he's, – he's one of the best, if not the best in the country. And I wouldn't take any other defensive coordinator in America over him. Right now, Kentucky's sitting at second in the SEC in points allowed, sitting at second in total defense, both of that, both of those categories in the top 15 in the country, and also in the top five in rushing and, and pass defense. So, uh, like Adam said, man, this there, there's no superstar. If you had to name a superstar – uh, it could be uh, uh, Deion Walker, to be quite honest with you. I mean, his efficiency is is off the charts for the true freshman. But they're playing team defense. I thought against Mississippi State they tackled well. And one of my keys was to have smart pass rush lanes. Kentucky did a real good job of that. Just got one sack. But if they didn't get to Rodgers, they put their hands up, deflected passes, and, uh, you know, that was a, for the first time we saw Will Rogers uh, frustrated. We saw him aggravated. Uh, Brad White did an excellent job of mixing up pressures. And, and then, you know, Adam, one thing that I noticed is Kentucky flipped a script against Mississippi State. When the offensive linemen went down earlier, early in the game for Mississippi State, they had to shuffle around, new center, guard to tackle, all kinds of things. Brad White dialed up that pressure to attack those new players at those new positions and was very effective. So I like that a lot about what everything, the plan, the execution, the tackling, everything. That was, uh, you know, you look at the two, two of the three big scoring teams in, in the SEC. Gave up 22 to Ole Miss and two of those were a safety. Gave up 17 to Mississippi State and one of those, one, uh, seven points of that was a pick six. So that that's getting it done against high power offense. Nothing but praise for that Kentucky defense. Gave up sixteen to Florida. Yep. Two were on a bad snap. Seven were uh, offense uh, sack fumble gave it to him right on right in the red zone. I mean, it's just yeah. You could take away points if you wanted to with this defense. Uh, they've just been very very good. A lot better than I thought they would be. Uh, superstar like what like you see it with Deion Walker. It just. Yeah. oozes with potential and you're by game by game it seems like he's getting better but i think the linebackers like jacques jones was awesome those first few weeks and then deandre square i think's really stepped up his play since jones went out yes in the old miss game he really elevated he, he was really good against south carolina and he was awesome on saturday night against mississippi state um they're just they just look like an old defense that's played a lot of football i mean you look at the roster they got a lot of older guys but then i say that but They've got young guys in there making plays. I thought Andrew Phillips looked really good yeah. on Saturday night. Um, he's obviously playing a lot there as kind of a nickel guy there against a you know a spread pass happy offense. Um, so I thought Justin Rogers has played better here these last couple games. So you're seeing improvement um, from both young and old guys on that on that defense, and they're just really gelling and playing at a really high level right now. And they've done it like I've said against Florida ranks I think top ten in yards per play offense, and they totally. Shut down that Florida offense. Um, you mentioned. That, um, go ahead, Drew. I say you mentioned Justin Rogers. That was one of his best games as a Wildcat, and you also yeah. mentioned DeAndre Square. So let's go ahead and shout out him for co-defensive player of the week for our fifth-year senior, senior who we're all big fans of. Eleven tackles, now four shy of the yes. elite three hundred tackle club. Feeling good about getting that here in a couple weeks. And he had the game-clinching interception, his third career interception, and his second game-clinching interception after he got the one in the Citrus Bowl uh, just to end last season against Iowa. Freddie, you were there on the staff when uh, DeAndre Square came into the program. Just how yeah. special has he been these last five years? DeAndre Square has been 25 years old for the last five years. 
He's a mature young man, very focused, knows what he wants out of life, knows what he wants out of the uh, football. Uh, huge fan. Love the kid. I bought a DeAndre Square shirt uh, today, and I will be wearing that against Tennessee when he enters that 300 tackle club because that's that's a serious mile, uh, milestone, mile marker, whatever, however the right word is there. But I thought he was tremendous against Mississippi State. And uh, yeah, he he is he stepped it up with Jones Lepp and Derek Jackson's played well. Trevin Wallace. I mean, we can go on and on about these defensive players. Uh, but a couple of things uh, I want to throw out just to put how good Kentucky defensively played against Mississippi State. A couple of numbers out there, Adam, and and you'll appreciate this. You're the stat guy. Kentucky held Mississippi State to 236 fewer yards uh, total yards per game. <laughs> 236 fewer than their average, 152 fewer pass yards per game, and 85 fewer rush yards per game. I thought that was critical. 22 rush yards holding uh, Mississippi State to 2.2 yards per carry. This kind of gets into the offense a little bit, but the combination of Chris Rodriguez, Jutan McLean, Combined for 275 total yards. Dylan Johnson, Jaquarius Marks for 95. Mm-hmm. I know Johnson was hurt, but still, uh, I, I think that had a lot to do with the success and the win. Juton McLean, if we're going to transition to offense here, his 78 total yards I thought was big and, and, and you know may not get a lot of attention, but that was big for that offense. Yeah, he provided a couple explosive plays, yeah, he did. which were nice. Uh, to me, they, they kind of made Mike Leach be Mike Leach. Yeah, and what I mean by that is, they stopped the run early, and he said, "Screw it, I'm not running it. We're going to throw it here." Um, and I think that played right into Kentucky's hands. And the best thing Mississippi State did all year was create red zone trips and finish in the red zone. They only had one red zone opportunity in the game Saturday. Yeah, that, that that's amazing. That that amazes me. Yeah, so they had the ball seven, eight, eight, seven real possessions. One they had to nil out. There in the the first half, but only had seven possessions. It was kind of the opposite of the game down there last year, yeah. Where Kentucky just didn't have the football, yeah. Um, and then this year, Kentucky just their offense, ball control, moved the chains every possession. Only one punt, um, where was on Mississippi State's side of the fifty, I believe, on nine or eight or nine or nine or ten of their possessions. So really, they kind of owned the game that way. And then when Mississippi State had the ball, they were just they kept them out of rhythm all night. It was a very complimentary football win. I, I said after the game, like, when Mark Stoops retires and he's built the Hall of Fame of games, that one's going to be in there just because yeah. of defense, ball control offense, play keep away, and just totally put the clamps on this, the, you know, the air raid offense and how, you know, fancy and how people want to talk about it and how all of that. They just had no answers for two times in three years um, against Kentucky. I think Kentucky found its identity, and I, I was expecting this last week, but Levis was out. Cats had the ball for nearly 40 minutes of this football game. Mississippi State for 20. So, uh, ball, ball control. But this Kentucky offense, the way it operates, has an impact on the defense. And the way that Kentucky wants to operate is very NFL-like, where possessions are valuable. Every possession is valuable. And then you play complementary. This, and, and a lot of people said this is a complementary game. Defensively, Kentucky held LSU to 27% on third down and 50% on fourth. So you're stopping that that drive and getting another possession for your offense. Let's look what K- Kentucky did. 40 Over 40% on third down, 
four out of five on fourth down with the one non-conversion being the pick six. So Kentucky was extending drives. Kentucky was was eating up that clock while get, the defense was getting Mississippi State off the field. That is that's somewhat how you define complementary football. You mentioned the third downs. How crazy is it that Levis was nine for nine on third downs? Uh, a couple of those being, you know, the, the keys to the game. Two of those throws, uh, especially the one to Juton McLean that we will see on his draft night, and then I believe the Dekel Crowdis throw was on third I've, down as well. Two throws really stuck out for me here. <clears throat> the throw to Barry and Brown is not getting enough attention. That was another throw where he was under pressure. Brown wasn't necessarily open, but he threw it where he can ma- only he can make the play on the ball. Um, you let your guy go up and make a play, and if he doesn't make a play, they're getting a PI there, which I think they got, and he just caught it anyway. And then the the, the Kel throw. Um, the guy's running deep. It's a busted coverage. The one thing you don't want to do, and I think Freddie will agree with this, is overthrowing. No. Right. you right. got to give him a chance. He's wide open. He's got to catch it because it's free 30, 40 yards if he just catches the ball. And, Adam, that's the hardest pass in football right. to throw. The mm-hmm. hardest pass. And then he's getting pressured right down right down the middle in his face. He just kind of has to put it on. And he, I think he's got to throw it away because I think DeKell's running a certain way and he's got to throw it a different way. So he has to throw it where he can. he's going to see it so he can adjust the ball and catch it. I thought those two throws were – like those will be on his draft tape. I thought both those throws – those are throws you have to play throw, or make in the NFL. Third down, you're feeling pressure. You got a guy open or you got to throw him open, and I think he did that on both of those. And I that's think not even quite to the that one was ridiculous as well. Yeah. It wasn't quite to that level, but the fourth down touchdown to Rasan Lewis, he really had to throw yep. the needle there too. A guy we don't hear from much, but that was another crucial throw. And yeah. Lewis making the catch, bouncing back after he had fumbled early in the game mm-hmm. and dropped a screen pass. Kind of was a rough start for him, and he ended up being one of the breakout stars of that entire game. I think this is Will Levis's draft tape to me. Uh, he only threw yeah. 23 passes, completed, what, 17. So the accuracy was there. A couple things. Okay, tough. You got a stinger, and you and, and you can't. You went to the locker room, came back, showed toughness there. Nine and nine, nine of nine on third down for 190 yards, whatever. That shows, you know, even the, some of those third downs were were 10 plus yards. Those wasn't like third and ones. So that shows that you know you got what it takes to move the chains. Two, three, and this is kind of the intangible. When a quarterback gets hit as much as Will Levis. And I got to hit as much as Will Levis. There's two ways to do it. There's two ways quarterbacks can go with that. They can blame and complain. And I didn't see any uh, negative body language from Will Levis when he when he was getting hit. Or you could say have the mentality, AFU defense, bring it on. I'm 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 gonna put it right back in your face. And I think we saw that from Will Levis, and we've seen that forever. The toughness, the toughness box got checked. The big plays and big moments in games, nine and nine on third down, got checked. The incredible throws that we you all talked about, check. And the willingness for a quarterback of that status to only have 23 pass attempts and happily hand the football over to Chris Rodriguez Jr., who was having a terrific game and having good body language about that. All these things that add up, and this is uh, may my, may, this isn't the the most gaudy numbers that he's had put up. This isn't the most wild things that he did. But if I'm an NFL scout, I'm watching this game, and this tells me more about Will Levis than any other game that I've seen him play. Freddie, you were at at home. Um, Yeah. I don't know what you were doing. Maybe the bathtub, maybe outside looking through the window. 
But when Levis ran back out of the tunnel, it was just as good as Steven Johnson against Tennessee years yeah. ago. Like a, like a wrestling entrance, him running through there. You just heard the roar, and you, you knew to look that way to the tunnel, and here he came. Yeah. Just unbelievable yeah. toughness from him. And then even after yeah. the game, a man laughs it off. Like, I was just yeah. my left arm. Who cares? I mean, yeah. really, the total package from him. Football you got, yeah, you guys weren't born probably when Bill Ransdale played. And I don't even know if you've heard of his name. He was He's of in course. the ring of honor, okay? Yes, legend. There are tough guys in Kentucky football history, and then there's Bill Bransdale. Okay, Adam, this dude had a broken jaw, had stitches cut with no numbing, and a punctured lung against Clemson, and had the running backs call the cadence and beat Clemson that night. The, 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 I mean, the level of toughness that Bransdale had is second to none. Steven Johnson entered that territory, not quite there. Will Levis is entering that territory as well. This is one tough dude. And that's what you're looking for in a quarterback in the NFL. You know, availability is the best ability, and, and you're seeing that even when he does get injured, you know. Quarterbacks are divas. They don't handle pain very well. The ma- majority of them don't, right? And he was like, hey, give me the magic shots, not my throwing arm, let me get back out there. So, uh, toughness, just again, NFL, this is, the, this is the tape that I would look at. Yeah, I think a lot of If you want a quick update on Levis, he was at KS Bar yesterday for the NFL (laughs) games wearing a boot on his left foot and a sling on his left arm. So (laughs) convenient uh, timing for the bye week. Go ahead. I just want to give that injury up. He just needed an eye patch to make that whole outfit (laughs) go. Uh, To me, the game was a lot about the personnel. It was just 7 and 24 making plays. Yeah. It just, it was just, both of them were like, we're not losing this game. Chris on. Or first and second down, and then Will on third down. Yeah, it was just we're gonna we're winning this game. We're not losing. Yeah, to these guys, we're winning this game. Yeah, and Adam, this is going to fit in your wheelhouse. I thought Scangarello's uh, halftime adjustments were excellent. Yeah, uh, second half just went jumbo. Right, yeah. <laughs> two, three tight ends. Okay, here we are. This is we're we're going to run right at you. Stop us if you can. I think Josh Caddis to not be a, a a very big guy. He 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 has a thump to him. Yeah, and and Kentucky just went heavy, and said, "Okay, twenty four, stop him if you can." And I love that. Uh, uh, you know, with that, it takes it takes away when you have multiple tight ends. You got to take some of those explosive uh, playmakers off the field, but there's a risk reward there. I really liked how Scangarello went heavy, went jumbo, and then still mixed in some some open free kind of uh, formations and personnel groups. Yeah. I thought that was his best halftime adjustment this season. And and with that, I thought the offensive line also took a step forward. It, was uh, a, it wasn't similar, perfect, but it was a step forward. Similar to me to that Florida game. Yeah. Um, where they just yeah. kind of – the defense was controlling it, let's run it. Only this time they had Rodriguez. Yeah. And so it was a little bit more efficient. But, yeah, I mean, just the freshmen and redshirt freshmen out there playing at a high level is just really, really promising. Like what Josh Caddis is doing, you have to kind of dig into it to find it. But what he's doing is like – like they're probably over there in the film room hooting and hollering at Freddie. I yes. mean, he is, he is reach-blocking 270-pound defensive – SEC defensive ends in, yes. the, in the red zone. I mean, that's like – you did, you're not supposed to do that as a 230-pound true freshman tight end. That's just not supposed to happen. Yeah. And he's, he's kicking dude's ass when he gets yes. in there. Mm-hmm. He's just an ass kicker. And so that's awesome. And then, like, like I think like Jordan Lovett, redshirt freshman. Like, he's oh, been, yeah. He's been awesome. Like, he's he looks great. like he could be a star. Yes. 
Yes. And so we thought that might be a big drop off with Geiger, and it, it really hasn't. I mean, he's been great back there. And then Barry and Brown, Dane Key, we, we know all about them. You know, Dekel Crowd is coming in, making a big catch. It's a redshirt freshman. The list goes on, on and on. I think Deion Walker, obviously, I thought Khalil Saunders played good. Another redshirt freshman. Yeah. Uh, that I, that is really exciting, just in general. These last two recruiting classes. But we're going to talk a lot about this 2022 class, uh, but do not sleep on that 2021 class. They've got some dudes in there, and those two classes together are going to have a chance to really do some special things, I think, moving forward. Yeah, and we saw some more Keaton Upshaw, too, mm-hmm. uh, in the second half when, you know, went jumbo multiple tight ends. So I like the 12-13 personnel uh, a lot, and uh, I think Chris Rodriguez liked it as well. Mm-hmm. I noticed on Mark Stoops' call-in show that just ended before we started, he got one call about where's Keaton Upshaw and one call about where's Isaiah Cummings yeah. to where are tight ends questions. But, I mean, he kind of – he didn't come out and say it, but Dingle's been awesome, and those guys haven't really been doing what it takes to block on this team. And then as Lucky just pointed out, Caddis is out there kicking ass right now. <laughs> yeah. uh, Stoops also – not as a big of important update on a freshman, but on Stoops' radio show – he said uh, Jackson Smith, the kicker, will be redshirting. So you all can update your special teams depth chart if you have that out in front of you. Go ahead and mark him down as a redshirt. Speaking of special teams, our boy uh, Ruffalo made two of them inside 50, two for two, missed the 51-yarder. Our special teams back. Well, they also had the, uh, I mean, <laughs> punt return, which was a great individual effort by Barry and Brown. I mean, yeah. he broke about five or six tackles. Um, so that, that was that, too blatant fouls. Yeah, I know. Chris Lewis, you just didn't need to do it right there, my man. <laughs> yeah. Just live and learn. But uh, for what for, for what we've had, that was a win on Saturday. Yeah. Uh, now they did get lucky on the, the they Tulu Griffin from Mississippi State broke that big return and they got a yeah. holding. So you got a, a good fortune there. But overall, I, I guess we could say it's an improvement. At least it wasn't um, you're giving away points or anything like that, like they have in the past. Right, I, I you think, can live with a fifty-one. Like if you're missing fifty yarders, you can just live with it. I think the only catastrophic error was the the were the, were the two penalties uh, on the punt return that took six points off the board. Yeah. Uh, so you could you could consider that catastrophic, which leads me to this, gentlemen, your your take on uh, how the first half ended with the field I, goal. I was I was about to bring that up because yeah. also on Stoop's show just now it was my other it was my third takeaway I wrote down while listening. He went again went on the defense of the play calling and the lack of aggression there at the end of the half. Stoops and coach Gangarello obviously know a million times more about football than I do, but I was livid that they did not <laughs> at least take a shot. I mean, get rid of it quickly, throw it far away from the defense, just run one more play is what I thought. Uh, what about you guys? Adam, go ahead. I think in that situation, you should tr- you need to trust your quarterback. At least maybe run, have a chance. But I understand why he did it. Because of all the special teams issues. Like, if they have a bad snap, they could potentially, uh, you know, maybe you can th- throw it away right quick. Or, you know, you just wanted to get points there um, because it was such a big drive. So I, I get it from that standpoint. It just there was time to do to try to do something um, to give maybe you know we've seen Dan Key already catch a fade in a big time moment maybe you can get something there and if nothing's open you, you've got to trust Will to just throw it ninety miles an hour out, out of the back of the end zone that was that was my take on it but I do understand why he did that 
in that situation. And they've been bad at the end of halves, Freddie. Yeah. Um, this year, they've given away points at, yes. at, at the end of the half. So I, I get why. And then yeah. dating back to Tennessee, they costed them the Tennessee game if you look at how they handled that. So I, yeah. I do understand why he's probably wanting to play this more conservative right now. Yeah, I, I, I totally agree with Stoops on it. A uh, couple reasons. No timeouts left. Emmanuel Forbes is an All-American. It would be a first-round draft pick at corner. So that you take one side of the field away because you don't want to throw at him. Uh, and with with attempting the field goal on third down, if, and, 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 and Kentucky had, what, two snaps that, that Chance Poor had to dig out of the turf to win the two field goals? So – the the, uh, the risk reward was okay. If you get sacked, you leave with no points. Um, you could throw a pick, or you know, if you if you try a field goal on third down, the snap's not there. Just lay on it, and you get another chance at a field goal, right? So you get you know you get a second chance at it. Because if, if, if for me, I don't trust a snapper. One. Two, there's no timeouts. What what you know? What if you're sacked? What you know? There's a lot of what ifs. Bad things could happen. You could have a turnover, and and with getting the football coming out of the half, yeah, I think that was the uh, kicker. That that's what I was thinking. You know, get the three, and let's get the football out of the half, and let, let's let's get this thing going. Uh, as good as that defense was playing, you know, I, I agree with that. Uh, I would have done the same thing. I know it, it it breaks every analytical rule, but the no timeouts was was a thing with me. It, you know, you you got to get in the end zone. One All American corner. You don't really want to force that in him so let's just get to the let's get to the locker room evened up let's, let's make some adjustments like Kentucky did and come out and win the football game so I, I, I like I, I like the decision to me more than the corner was the pass rush yeah absolutely yeah that, that's I think they were more worried about that yes yeah then, uh, even though I'm Kentucky only gave up even though Kentucky only gave up one sack I mean that's yeah. That's vast improvement. <laughs> and a lot of that, I think a lot of that was controlled passing game. Exactly. They were using max protections, and then they were passing on third down, but Will yeah. was getting the ball out fast. Yeah. And so they did get some pressures. It was just, I think Kentucky did a better job about just kind of controlling the situation. Yes. And not getting in pass, pass only things as much as possible, pass only downs as much as possible. Kevin the Bacon here says never take points off the board, which is what Stoop said tonight. But I really just wanted to prove that comment because I love his awesome old school Wildcat with the K there. Uh, Freddie, if you can see that. Yeah, I, I love that. that. Well. Yeah. Real pointy ears there. I like yeah, it. Freddie, Freddie, a big part of the pregame show was you brought your lucky lump of coal, which was yes. 2-0 and up until Saturday. Uh, it's 3-0 now. Luck charm. Yeah, yeah, you also had the, the lucky die from Harris. I uh, yeah. forgot the significance of that. It was just yeah. How uh, so my my niece went down to Biloxi and got on the heater and did did a lot of good uh, in the gaming, which we can't do in this state. And no. um, and and she bought me that at the gift shop, so it brought her luck. And so I just that that's a new luck charm in my super. I'm not superstitious. I'm a lot of stitious. So <laughs> uh, that was a new one. But the but the my, my piece of coal that that thing's undefeated. I want to continue this conversation, but you just reminded me, since we can't gamble in this state, that you should download the PrizePix app or visit prizepix.com and use promo code KSR to get an instant 100% bonus up to $100 on your first deposit. If you're like us and live in Kentucky and can't gamble and get nice Harris lucky die like Freddie and his family, you can head over to PrizePix and pick some players and guess if they'll go over or under PrizePix prize projections. It's very hard to say, PrizePix projections 
Chris Rodriguez has been a big winner lately. Just get over to the Prize Picks app or prizepicks.com and use promo code KSR to claim your bonus and start getting some winners. Now back to this conversation, Drew, Freddie. You Drew, have, do you, you have the, any do you have any game day superstitions, Titans or Kentucky? I do a little bit. But I was I wanted to finish the the thought there with Freddie and his Cole, and okay. he also got lucky. Uh, Long John Silver's delivered yeah. from Paris. So yes. of the of the three, uh, this triumvirate of luck you had. What do you do? Is it did it all will everyone through, or is it one no. thing stood out or the other? Did you did you eat the Long John Silver's? Just walk me yeah. through your superstitions and how we got got there to this win. Yeah, the Long John Silver's was delicious, uh, but I think I think it's the combination of the coal plus plus the new dye. It's not dice if it's not two. It's dye. I learned that today. Uh, yeah, yeah I, I think you know, but I can't break that out every game. If I break it out every game. Then it loses its its special. It's it's not special anymore, right? So when I think that Kentucky really has to have a win, and their backs against the wall, and everybody's against them, nobody's picking them, I'll break out that piece of coal, and and, and that almost certainly guarantees a win. Much like Drew's bet on the over with Chris Rodriguez at what ninety three yards, free money, eighty nine yards, eighty nine. Yeah, early. yeah, they were just yeah, printing was... it for you on that one, my man. Uh, he more than doubled that one. He hit the week before. We'll keep riding that one. And you can ride it on prize picks. Yes. Uh, to Luggett's question about my superstitions, on Saturdays I don't have them because I'm working. And on Sundays I don't have pregame superstitions because it takes me about an hour and a half to find the Titans game on some stream <laughs> from a boat in Cambodia. So I'm too busy trying to even find out how I can watch the game. But I've talked before about how I have a spot in front of the TV – and I'm not kidding. It's like, well, I'm afraid to say it out loud and jinx it. But it's it's undefeated when I get up there and get in position for on defense. I got my linebacker stance, offense. Depends if you need me to run a route or block. But if I get in front of the TV, we're making plays for the Titans. There's been Drew, times I've been down the street at someone's house and I've had to run home and get in front of my own TV. Speaking of the Titans, what's your take on the new uh, stadium arena that was announced today? Well, um, I'm very excited about it. And uh, – I'm getting married here in less than four weeks now, and my biggest take is telling her how we're going to have season tickets and not how we're going to get them. <laughs> I'm trying to figure out how I'm going to tell her that we're getting them. <laughs> so that's my biggest takeaway because I'm excited to get in that building for yeah. Final Fours and Super Bowls and maybe uh, little Kentucky in the college football playoff one day. AFC South, the controlled environment division. Yeah, Three domes in Jacksonville. No cold weather uh, there. Lucky your Bengals got back in the win column. You got some Super yes. Bowl aspirations back yesterday. We just need to play every game in the Superdome down there in New Orleans. Just let Jamar and Joe Burrow play every game down there. I don't think they would ever lose. So, yeah, that was that was the best the offense has looked all season. So that was – and they needed it because that was the defense's worst game of the year. So that was, that was promising to get back on the right track. Big win. I only made two bets on the entire NFL card yesterday. It was Jamar Chase, anytime touchdown, and Bengals over 23 points for what you just said. I knew those two getting back in that city, they were going to link up for some points. So that was uh, big winners. We, we appreciate those. Uh, moving on, we got a bye week. Those are pretty a big deal, huh? Pretty important right now. It's Kentucky. Yeah. We got, like I said, Levis is in a sling and a boot. The whole left side's uh, packaged up right now. Flax uh, left the game Saturday. Jaquez Jones probably be a little more longer term. You saw Jagger Burton uh, suffer a minor injury. No updates on these so far because Stoops didn't have his usual Monday press conference being a bye week, and he didn't really address them on the uh, 
on the radio show tonight. But, uh, Freddie, what are you thinking about these injuries and just how important the timing of getting a week off is right now? Yeah, it's great. I mean, this this bye week comes at a perfect time. Seven weeks in a row is a lot uh, before you get you get a week off. And it's great for Kentucky to, to rest up, heal up, a lot of extra treatment, a lot of extra medical attention for the players that have suffered injuries. But I think the most important part of a bye week is self-scouting. You, you kind of break down, okay, we're seven games into this. What personnel grouping does not work with this play? I mean, it, you know, Adam, you know, it, it, it's so specific now because of the advancement of technology and film. So you can just punch up third and two on the left hash on the 25 going in. Okay, we'll see these plays. What didn't work, what worked, you know, you can really refine what you're doing. And, uh, you know, I, I look at Brad White, you know, going back. I mean, he just, like I said, man, the dude is a genius. He's he's very, very smart man. He'll go back and he'll analyze that defense and where to put his players in the best position. But I think offensively going into the bye week, Kentucky, I, I think, found their rhythm, found their identity. And I think we're going to see more of what we saw against Mississippi State going down the line. If the game permits, sometimes it won't. But – uh, a lot of self-scouting. you got to find out what you've done well, how you can do it better, or you completely just throw a bunch of plays, a bunch of schemes, a bunch of everything in the trash and say, we're not going to do that anymore. Yeah. Because everything happens so fast uh, during the season. I mean, you're moving on to your next opponent, moving on. Now, when, what, what the advantage is, you know, everything's supposed to be – you know, college football is intended to be like NASCAR. Everybody's equal. Well, we all know that's stupid, right? These these schools with these ginormous staffs, they self-scout throughout, right? I mean, they've got analyst after analyst after analyst. That's what they do. Uh, for Kentucky, you know, you get into this bye week, you just take a look inside. It's a big mirror week for the Cats, I think. And then you'll you'll throw some Tennessee stuff in during practice, but it's also going to be used. You're going to see Keontae Goodwin get a lot of reps this week. You're going to see a lot of players that haven't played in games get the vast majority of reps this week and uh, and try to get them some experience. So I think it comes at a, at a right time. But for me, other than getting healthy is priority number one, is Adam is just getting in that film and self-scouting and, and see what you do best and what you need to do different. Yeah, I think offensively now you, you've got two games where Rodriguez is coming downhill and running over people. And so defenses are going to have to adjust to that. Right. right, and then the counters play action. What can you build off that in the play action game? Right, that's what I'm going to be looking at coming out of this bye for Kentucky's offense. And then defensively, you know, just keep doing what you're doing. I mean, yeah, it's working. Um, and then what we've seen, we seen White had a long time to prepare for some of these other offenses. Now you know in the back of his mind, he's probably watched this Tennessee game tape a lot from last year. If you go and watch the press conference after him after the game, you could just tell how disappointed he was um, with how his defense played up here last year in Lexington. Yeah. Um, so just seeing, like, how they kind of play Tennessee and what they try to take away and what they don't, I'm, it should be a pretty fun uh, matchup uh, in Kentucky. Like you said, I think it comes – this bye comes at – you know, it's easy to say at the perfect time, but I think it, it really does uh, yeah. here. They're, they're really banged up. But they're they're entering the bye with momentum. I think that was really really big. Getting that win going into the bye, just to get some confidence going because now you got five game stretch here. You've got a chance to get there's two games. Well, really three games. You obviously the rival at the end of the year, 
But also, you get Tennessee and Georgia when they have top ten, top five teams. Those are legitimate signature win opportunities here for Kentucky. Yeah. So now it's all about getting healthy and going, giving those three teams and the other two teams really, but going and giving your best shot in those games. You know, Stephen does a Stephen does a great job with these pictures on this podcast. And Dion Walker there, just seeing him come in like yeah. that. That has to – He almost caught that ball. Yeah. He yeah. almost caught it. Yeah. I would. I was getting ready to say that ha- that has to be intimidating for a quarterback uh, because I forgot that I used to play that position and that happened to me a bunch of times. It is intimidating for somebody that big to come at you right at your face. For a quarterback, for me, I can't speak for anything else. You're going to, you know, especially if you play in this league, you're going to get it, the vast majority of ed, edge rushers are NFL players. And you kind of learn how to deal with that. The pressure that aggravates the quarterback the worst is right into his face up the middle. You want to really start bothering the quarterback because you, you drive that center back. You come in, the, you know, in the A and B gaps and come right at him like that right there. I mean, that that is troublesome for Ron. <laughs> Look at that picture. I mean, that is a freshman that a just, just busted through a double team, getting held, and still getting to the quarterback. His stats won't be great, mm-hmm. but his influence is unbelievable. Carrington Valentine, Adam, to me, played a really good game yes. the way he tackled. Mm-hmm. He also had a tackle for loss, had a quarterback sack. I thought he played tremendous, uh, 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 you know, uh, with tackling. The whole team, those defense tackled well. But, I, I, you know, that guy right there, number zero, man, he's He's special. Uh, enjoy him for uh, two more years, yes. and, and then he's gone. I mean, there, you know, I, I don't think you know. After Chattanooga about beat us last year, I don't do a hundred percent on anything. <coughs> Excuse me, but I'm going ninety nine point nine nine percent that Deion Walker's a three year player. He's just strong, special. He just keep like he keeps getting better. Every week he's getting – like Mississippi State has a good offensive line. And for when their poor right guard, number 64 right there, just did not <laughs> have an – like he was just getting by him all the time. And he's a lot of it – you know, he's still playing off <coughs> athletic traits. Right. Too. Like, you know, he's only, he's going to get better with technique and play strength and all of that as he gets in the weight room and gets more coaching. But yeah, I mean, he's just—he's been awesome. It's hard to believe how good he's been and what a good sign yes. that was for the program. While we're narrating what we see on our nice, fancy YouTube broadcast with Stephen, I want to encourage our YouTube viewers to stay away from the TinderHot.xyz best adult dating website links that pop up <laughs> in the comments. That is spam and not a part of what we are doing here, and we are not responsible for what's on the other side of that link. Uh, I want to get to some of these questions. We'll have the comment section be kind of our Nick Roush tonight. Can uh, I get one question in first, Drew? Yeah, go ahead. Well, I'll try to pick some. I was going to do it on the floor. I want to put this to the panel. Okay. Chris Rodriguez is what, fourth all-time leading rusher at Kentucky? Yeah. Is Chris Rodriguez a Hall of Famer? Kentucky yes. out. Yes. I, yes. That's a benchmark. But what there's it needs to be automatic. You get the three thousand. There's only what? How many? Four, three have done four. that already. Yeah, he, he passed well, more kids. He'll, he'll be yeah. four. Sonny Collins, Mo Williams, and a young man named Benny. But Snell you know, Jr. yeah, he, he passed Mark Higgs. Uh, yeah, to get that three thousand. I, 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 for me, he's one hundred percent. I don't like to use that, but he's a hundred percent Hall of Famer. Uh, and, and I hate to keep going back to do this, but if Christian all and his 482 tackles aren't in the Hall of Fame, 
the second leading tackler in school history, the sixth leading tackle in the history of the SEC. I could argue that he would be in the SEC Hall of Fame before UK would get off their rear ends and put him in the own in UK Hall of Fame. I'm sorry I had to get that off my chest. No, tell him. Yeah. Who do we need to tell? Who do we tell? I've tried to tell everybody, and nobody listens. I mean, well, it takes people like you to keep spreading the message on podcasts like this. So go. I on. bought a DeAndre Square shirt. He, he is my player on this team, right? Because he's entered in that 300 club. When he enters that club, he's 182 tackles short of what Christian Alt did at Kentucky, and is not in the Hall of Fame. So I didn't ask that question to get onto my soapbox, but it happened anyway. Deal with it. Not you. you just whatever. You know what I mean, Freddie? Who decides that? I, I don't know. I, I, I just don't. I, I've, I've, I've wiped my hands because it frustrates me so badly. But I do think that Chris Rodriguez is a Hall of Famer. Uh, you know, you look at the running backs. Mark Higgs, he passed him. Uh, Mark, uh, teammate of mine, he's in the Hall of Fame. Uh, Benny's going to be a Hall of Famer. Yeah. And Moe's a Hall of Famer. I think Chris Rodriguez Jr. is a Hall of Famer. And I would love to have gotten him those four games and, and seen him just break every record. Uh, because I care about Chris, I love I love him as a person, know him off the field, but on the field, has you know Benny was like that, but there's not been that many players that play as hard as Chris Rodriguez does, right? I mean, he has total disregard for his body, and the leverage and the power and the torque that he has when he makes contact with defenders. I mean, it it, it blows my mind. I enjoy watching him play as much as I've ever watched. Anybody play the game. He, he runs with bad intentions. He does, man. I love that kid. Angry, he, uh, angry runs. Yeah. That the the, the, the goal, like the one the last touchdown was that was the Chris Rod. That was the most oh, Chris beautiful. Rodriguez run. Beautiful. Uh, run into a pile of people, spin, move, drive leg drive, and just give that extra oomph to get over over the goal line. I mean, that was yeah. that's what he is. That's what he's been. That's what's made him up the player he is. Um, because it's not speed. It's not top level athleticism. It's just in a hole. I'm gonna. I'm running through. I'm throwing, I'm running through a wall to get these yards. You're it's a mentality, stopping. man. He's just. He just got it. I. I tell you, I've. I've watched a bunch of them. Heck, I played with seven running backs that got drafted. So I mean, you know, it, it, there's been a lot of running backs come through there, but. I don't know if I've enjoyed watching anybody as much as I've enjoyed watch 24. I I really think that uh, I think he's special and I and 100% a Hall yeah. of Famer. Enjoy these last five six games. Yeah, with him. I heard Stoop say um, he's most impressed with some of his four or five yard gains than he is like oh, a 41 yeah. yarder. It's when I, the uh, play is completely dead and he falls forward and still turns it into a three or four yarder. Yeah. yeah, I've always said the best thing he does is turn a tackle for loss into a four yard gain on yes. second and six. Yeah, it just he just he's a efficiency machine. He just keeps them ahead of the chains, and he makes the play caller's job yeah so much easier. To me, Chris Rodriguez is an ambient to me. You know, the sleeping pill. You take an ambient. You know, you get kind of relaxed. You get kind of chilled out. When I see Chris Rodriguez get the football, I just get chilled out. And I know I should be like the other way. But, you know, it just relaxes me knowing that he's getting ready to do something great, you know, and he's getting ready to just bust somebody's head open. So I, I just love the kid, love him, uh, watching him play, one of my all-time favorites. And if he gets in your – if you get in his way, he might put you to sleep if you uh, get caught. <laughs> yes, yeah, that, that, yeah, the great, great, uh, great words there, Drew. 
How about friend of the program, JCA, JCA3, or is that Chaka, Chaka3, uh, with two <laughs> questions. We'll start with question number one. Any idea about a QB to look for in the transfer portal next year? And the second question, what does the offensive line look like next year? Uh, anyone have any scoop there? I can confirm uh, I, there are uh, portal There will be transfers, and they will, they will land one. I, Adam, you, you dig into one this more than anybody. One of them might have lost this past weekend. Yeah, you, you dig in more than anybody on the quarterback transfer once you handle that one. Yeah, it's it's too early to tell. Um, there are names, people out there that think they might go in the portal, um, but we don't know. I think it could be a situation like Levis is this year. Maybe a backup at a big school that's not getting a chance that you could see. You know, there's like Texas's quarterback this year is behind Quinn Ewers, Arch Manning coming in. He could be a name, Hudson Card. Alabama's got two of them right now um, with Jalen Milrow and Ty Simpson, and they're bringing in two more top 100 recruits. So one of those, one of those guys is going to leave. And so I think you could see it potentially being someone like that. And then obviously Boise state, Hank Bachmeyer is a name. I think people just know that that could be an option down the road. For the offensive line, I, I think Kentucky's going to be extremely active in the portal. I mean, very, very active in the portal at tackle. Uh, to be specific, I think they're happy uh, with how Jagger Burton has progressed. You got another year of Eli Cox, uh, Manning. You lose him, so I, uh, maybe I, I do think that um, you could Kentucky may could go to the traditional JUCO route for some offensive linemen, but most definitely, I think you're going to see more activity in the portal this year on the offensive line side than we've seen ever from Kentucky. I mean, you get Manning, you get Manning and you got Dare Rosenthal, uh, but I think you're going to see multiple offensive linemen come to Kentucky via the portal. Going to have that, to. I think that Juco point you make, Freddie, is a good one. Yeah. Because it's hard to find specifically tackles. In the portal. portal. Yes, it is. You, you yeah. might be better off looking Juco-wise because it's not as competitive as it used to be recruiting-wise. Right. If Kenneth Horsey were to come back for a super senior season, which is a possibility, it's an option, obviously, but I think it's probably a possibility. Like, I think that could solve some issues, right? Yes. You can yeah, move Jagger over to right guard. Horsey can play left guard. You got right. Cox back at center. You're good there. You're set right there. Yeah. If you get Flax back at right tackle, if he keeps progressing, you feel good about him. It's just finding that that other yeah. spot. You know that that can make. Then you only need really one, and then if you can develop your younger guys to build some depth, then you can possibly have something right there yeah so i think that could be kind of the linchpin for them is if he comes back that could and then he that could also give you an option if it went bad at left tackle again you could potentially you know if you had to you wouldn't want to but you potentially kick him out i think that that would that that's one of the biggest i think parts of the offseason i'll be watching because i think his return could really settle things in a big way I'm hearing good stuff about Grant Bingham too from Johnson Central. As his, you know, he's offensive linemen are slow cookers. You, you got to give them time, right? I, I'm I'm hearing that he's developing nicely. Uh, Keontae Goodwin, you some at some point he's going to have to get a shot. Um, but I want to talk about Kenneth Horsey for a second with you all. Um, I, you know, I, I again I, I love Kenneth. You know, everything with his heart condition and what he works with the Heart Association. He's just a very mature, super, super young man. He's a leader. I don't think we've talked enough about the unselfishness of him moving from guard to tackle. All right. 
this is a team sport. Football is a team sport. But every if you sign with a school in the SEC, your goal is to go to the NFL, right? And Kenneth Horsey is a guard that kicked out the tackle, and you don't see you know you see that uh, selfless move. I think that means a lot to me. To me, it means a lot for him to get out there because Kentucky had to have him out there. I mean, there was no doubt about it. But I, I just appreciate his unselfishness and, and him going out to left tackle and battling. That's not his natural position. And, you know, it, it could be frustrating at times. If that's not your natural position and, you're, you, you know, you get beat on him one-on-one, you can hang your head and, you know, I should be playing guard. But I just think, I just think that is a valuable point of this season is him. Uh, you know, he approached the coaches about going to tackle. That says a lot about the young man and the football player. No doubt. What about the performance of another guard on that line, Tayshawn Manning, with maybe the best flop in <laughs> at least Kentucky football history up there with Brandon Eccles? Uh, were you all proud of the flop, or is that a Bush League move? I mean, it drew the flag. I think we got to love it. Love it. Love That's, it. I actually, I think I missed it because I said, oh, Manning just ate a punch there, and I then I put my head down, and then I looked up, and there was a flag. I was like, what happened? And then I got on Twitter, and it was just like everybody just got a huge kick out of that. And I had um, – Tom Hart is just cackling on the broadcast when they showed the replay. Uh, it, was, it was it was so funny. Just the delay reaction was chef's kiss. I think Tom's I think so good he, at his job. He got the oh, catastic yeah. for JT, uh, a couple of different JT lines. I mean, he never fails. Even the week before, we've been spoiled to have him two weeks in a row. Yeah, he got one against Loretta Lynn's passing. He gets hot paints and yeah. this city. We're we're just so spoiled to have Tom at Kentucky. Yeah, he says and whatever he, we want. And he threw something in about Max. Uh, yeah, that that's yeah. the best crew. Sometimes I, I, I they are good. I don't complain, but I just you know kind of tune out crews that are I don't think is very very good. But that's that's the best crew I, I think uh, I think in the game. I love that crew. But with Manny Drew, you have to credit his OVW um, training with that flop, don't you? I mean, don't 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 the wrestling folks have to take some credit there? Yeah, he even told Matt he learned to tuck his chin at OVW. Tayshawn's already full of personality, so it doesn't surprise me with his charisma. He will attempt a flop like that, but. Uh, definitely one of the highlights of the of the game that uh, didn't have a huge impact to the game. It was big getting that flag. I'm sure they're uh, going to be showing that in the OL room. Um, I'm sure that's going to make <laughs> the, the tape this He's week. He's getting roasted. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, we have Tennessee this week. We should probably talk about that since we're already getting near the end of our podcast. 7 p.m. and night at Nalen. Two top 20 teams for the first time in like 70 years. Uh, BL Ham 25 here. Whoop, I clicked the wrong one, but uh, he said somewhere about getting to Hendon Hooker, getting pressure on him, and if Kentucky has any chances of stopping that offense to just put up 50 plus on Alabama. Yeah, I think first things first, Kentucky's going to play them different than Alabama did. It's two different defenses. Alabama, a lot of their philosophy is we've got better players than you, we're going to man up. Yeah. And sometimes that's not a great philosophy against um, an Art, uh, Art Browse version offense, which is kind of what Josh Heupel is running there in Tennessee. Um, so I think you're going to see Kentucky play them different. Um, this game is all going to be about can they can Kentucky not give up bombs like they did last year? Can they make them earn scores? And then offensively it's going to be about can you get the run game going against what's been a stingy Tennessee defense? And can you protect Will Levis enough to 
slice and dice some bad Tennessee pass defense. If you can do those three things, Kentucky's going to have a great shot to go and win that football game. And if that thing is close in the fourth quarter in that stadium, that place is going to pucker. Like that place is – there will be a nervous wreck and that's going to play right into Kentucky's hands if they can get to that point. I think you just got me so excited even saying that out loud. I can almost – I'm not even there. I'm not even going. Just think about I can it. Feel, I can feel their tension for them of Kentucky just, just being think in the about, game. Just think about um, Vinny Ball sitting next to the Tammy, Tennessee. <laughs> it's the fourth quarter, tie game, one position game, whatever. And Diana they are looking Dipspit. at <laughs> They are looking at each other like – and the golf ball. Is Kentucky going to ruin our perfect season? Is this going to happen? And it's just like you will be able to hear a pin drop in that stadium. Yeah. I mean, so now that's got to happen. But I don't. Uh, and here's the thing with college football this year. I know it can be hard to believe, but all these teams from about you can even in, on a certain Saturday from about really from three to twenty five. And then, but I think you could throw the top teams in there too. On a, if you get them on a bad day, on their a B game, they can win. It's any week you can win. You can win or you can lose. We've seen it with Kentucky that go and lose a fifty fifty game to Ole Miss, lose a South Carolina game when they don't play well. Like you can, it's. I think there's a lot of parity in college football this year. Um, well, yeah. While Kentucky may not have a lot of stars in that secondary, there's a lot of very good football players. <clears throat> Excuse me, a lot of them. <clears throat> Sorry, and, and and a lot of athletic linebackers. So Kentucky's going to play, like Adam said, totally different uh, than Alabama did against Tennessee. And I'm looking at two players that that may have an impact on this. It's not going to be probably who many are thinking, uh, but uh, Deion Walker and Justin Rogers. Yeah, can you I, stop the run in a light box? Stop the run in a light box, and also get pressure in the face of Hendon Hooker to get him out of the pocket. Um, not going to – I mean, let's just be honest. Unless it's a blitz by Wright or or uh, or Weaver, you're not going to get pressure off the edge from the defensive end, defensive tackle. I mean, they've not had that a lot. So, I think that internal, that, that inside uh, pass rush, inside – just like how Kentucky made Will Rogers uncomfortable, if they can do that to Hendon Hooker, I think that will go a long way. Uh, offensively, this game for Kentucky is going to be about possessions. I mean, we could just rinse and repeat everything we said about the second half against Mississippi State, and and there you have what Kentucky needs to do. Yeah, and any Robbie S here says Tennessee fan here randomly recommended your stream. You've got a lot of interesting takes here. Eat it, Robbie S. Thanks for stopping by. We'll see you uh, the Saturday after next. Yeah, go on. Lincoln. Anytime you're playing a good quarterback, you want them to yeah. fill you. Yeah. Right. Hendon Hooker likes to run the football. Yeah. You got to get shoulder pads on him when he runs the football. You can't just let yeah. him run and slide. Hendon yeah. Hooker didn't even break a sweat last year against Kentucky. Mm-hmm. I mean, I mean, let's just be honest about it. It just it just didn't happen. Those wide splits, those receivers, that, that's that's tough to defend. Mm-hmm. So I, I realize Kentucky Especially, is mm-hmm. giving up what six fourteen points a game, less than three hundred yards total. You can throw that that statistical analysis about the Kentucky defense out the window in this game. You just got to get some stops, and you cannot you cannot be susceptible, or you can't give up the explosives behind you. So uh, it's it's a tough matchup. That that Hendon Hooker makes that offense go. I mean, one hundred percent. He is. He is a very, very good football player. 
uh, very smart football player, and he makes that offense go, and, and he can do it. And, and, you know, it's going to take a great effort. But, but again, going into Knoxville, I wouldn't take any other defensive coordinator in America other than Brad White to come up with a plan and to execute that plan. So uh, you have to feel good about that. I think um, you just can't – field position is huge. Against LSU and Alabama, Tennessee got early field position and just pumped up some scores <clears> right quick. And similar to the Ole Miss game, they're going to hit you with tempo. They're going right. to land a haymaker early. You just got to settle in and hang around. If you can hang around and the game gets late in the third and fourth quarter, Tennessee played a close game against Pittsburgh and did score a touchdown in the second half. Right. Once they got through, once Pitt kind of absorbed the punches early and got used to how Tennessee was playing – Kind of, and then we saw what Kentucky did to Ole Miss in the second half. Once they settled in, got used to what they were doing and seen, it's going to be the same thing here. And it's just hang around and get getting that game late. You know, I mean, going if you're in it late, then going and winning it. That, that to me is the key uh, right. in that game. Well, we we'll have uh, next week's week. yeah, we'll have next week's show to really break down Tennessee. I mean, they still have a game to win before they get to Kentucky. Hell, they don't even have goalposts. They got more fundraising to do before they can even play. Mm-hmm. I saw a picture today. Someone dug up one of the checkers from the checkerboard of the field, so there's just a mm-hmm. big square missing. Got to resod the end zones before Saturday. We'll worry about them later. It's bye week time at Kentucky, and before we go, what are you guys doing with a Saturday off? from uh, Kentucky football. Freddie, I'm sure you have the most random answer, so you're up first. Well, I'm looking on the KSR website. I was going to say I will be at a new location that we've never been on Friday for the K- Kroger KSR game of the week. So, I'll, I'll, a hint, I'll probably be a little tired because it's a pretty good distance from uh, Lexington. So, do you want to just go ahead and say it? Is it can we can this be the breaking news? I think the post is ready to go up soon. Yeah, so we're going uh, the Kroger KSR game of the week. The Paintsville Tigers traveling to Raceland to take on the seven and one Rams. Uh, I can't tell you how many messages I've gotten over the years about coming to Raceland and covering a game there, and we're on our way Friday. So I will be there early. I've never been to Raceland. I really don't even know where it is. I know it's like near Ashland, uh, so I'm looking forward to making that trip. Saturday, I'm going to Tootsie to play at the Opera House. <laughs> oh, not Tootsie's like the bar in Nashville. That's, what, I, that's, that's, where, no. that's where my mind went, Drew. No, you're I'm going. going to, you're going to see the musical Tootsie. I'm on, yes, at the Lexton Opera House. Wow, football guy. Gonna go yeah. see some Tootsie. That's a big day. Yeah. Uh, well, well, listen, after, after that South Carolina game, I watched one play of football until Kentucky kicked off. I, I just I, it made me so sick I couldn't even watch it. So, uh, I you know I probably enjoy some football during the day, but then you know I will I will get ready and, and go downtown Lexington and enjoy a good play. I'm, I'm big into the arts. I know people don't really. Know that about me, but uh, I really am. I, I enjoy it. Used to have season tickets at Louisville at the Actors Theater there, Actors Guild, and uh, I just love it and can't wait to Saturday night. We learn something new about you every show. But <laughs> Lexington Opera House, that's a good place to watch a show. Yeah, it's I like nice. A good, yeah. I like a good musical myself. Yeah. Used to go see uh, Orphan Annie all the time. Me at too. The Madisonville uh, Fine Arts Center. <laughs> I didn't Pan go there. I got lucky. Yeah. Luckett, I'm sure you're taking in some opera Saturday. 
I have not opera, but I am going to take in some music. Uh, it's my future sister-in-law, Heather. Her birthday, a little happy birthday, Heather. Week. Big three zero. So we'll be going to the Luke Combs concert in the Yum Center. Oh, Unfortunately, wow. Scott Satterfield will not be able to make it because Louisville is playing at the same time. So I don't know if he's going to Uber back and forth between play calls or not. But yeah, we got a nice little watch football during the day, concert at night. So Drew, I think, I think out. parents night out. If the, if if Adams and, and my plans on Saturday night, uh, what would the uh, what would the odds we get if that was a Vegas bet that I will be going to a, a, a musical and Adam will be going to a concert? The two KSR football guys not doing football on a Saturday night. What odds would you get yeah, there? It doesn't happen the, often. The the odds would be so long they could only take like a twenty dollar max bet for fear of having <laughs> to pay out everything they have. I mean it's. Plus tens of thousands, uh, I would say. <laughs> uh, I wish I could take in the arts, but I'll probably have to work because we have a blue-white game. The old, the old cross-sport responsibilities. Uh, that sport you don't like to talk about, Freddie. But I That's in Corbin, right? Watch. Pikeville. Oh, Pike, I, I, knew it, Wireless I knew it was in one of the arenas. Yeah, that's a nice arena. If you've not been to Pikeville lately, they've done a great job with that city, especially downtown. A lot to do down there, restaurants and – and things and that arena is very very nice so if you're going you're going to have a good time that'll be fun there'll be some buzz for yeah. that down there where, yeah where I, I will tell you this the sauce if it was up in lexington take extra time if you're driving from lexington because the mountain parkway has been under construction for approximately uh 174 years <laughs> and uh, you're going to hit a lot of one lane roads and tr- coal trucks and it uh, usually takes a little bit more time than you think You'll also hit a lot of one-lane roads and coal trucks next week when we're driving down to Knoxville. Luck and I know you're going. I'll be there. We'll address that. We'll address that game more next Monday when the KSR Football Podcast returns. Hopefully, with Frank Roush's dad Nick back. But if not, the three of us will run it again. <laughs> I don't know the company uh, leave for having a baby. I don't know if it's it's official or we just tell them to go figure it out. But look, Nick is out as long as it takes. But we thank you for joining us tonight, and we hope we'll see you back here next week for the KSR Football Podcast. We won't have a game to recap, but we will have a game to talk a lot of trash about as we get ready for Kentucky to go down and whoop the Vols, the third-ranked Vols, the undefeated Vols. We're going to beat that ass the Saturday after next. For now, this is the KSR Football Podcast. Thanks to Adam, thanks to Freddie, and thanks to you all for listening. Go Cats!